guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. Today, we're going to talk about hypocrisy, in particular, hypocrisy in our ruling class when it comes to how they conduct their lives, especially right now in the time of uh, COVID and thinking about the potential of future lockdowns and restrictions and mask mandates. Uh, but not just that. We're going to look at some political activists, what they say versus how they live and what they do. Um, then we're going to talk about what hypocrisy really means, um, what it means uh, from the foundations of the word, the origins of the word, but more importantly, how we see it biblically and what it means for us um, as Christians. Now, before we get into it, I do want to say one thing about yesterday's podcast uh, with Ben Shapiro. Got a lot of good feedback from you guys, so thank you so much for that. He is also, um, he is obviously a wealth of knowledge when it comes to lots of different things. Now, some of you, I think understandably, were offended by the first part of that um, interview when I was kind of poking fun at some conspiracy theories surrounding the vaccine. Now, you guys should know me well enough and you should have heard me talk about this enough to know that I reserve no judgment whatsoever for people who choose not to get the vaccine. As I've said before, you getting not getting the vaccine or getting the vaccine is none of my business. It's none of your business whether or not um, I'm vaccinated. I understand, unlike a lot of people, that unvaccinated does not mean infected. Um, and so I believe in freedom. I believe in in the liberty of personal choice, and I truly reserve no condemnation whatsoever for people making the decision that's best for themselves and best for their families. We were just joking around because Ben is, as you know, um, adamantly uh, an, an advocate for the COVID-19 vaccine. And so, I mean, he has talked about that a lot and he has been incorrectly condemned by certain media outlets for uh, being an anti-vaxxer and he's not. So that's what I was um, poking fun about. There is no condemnation, no judgment, no criticism from me towards you, whatever you choose about the vaccine. So I just wanted to clarify that. I'm not going to apologize for that because it was still, um, you know, it was a fun part of the interview, but I do want to clarify that for you guys. Now, let us talk about some hypocrisy that we are seeing in the news. The thing that um, sparked this for me was this story uh, in the New York Post uh, about Sean King. If you don't know who Sean King is, he is um, an activist who claims to be an activist uh, advocating for black lives. He is one of the first people whenever there is a confrontation uh, between a police officer and a black man, whether or not the suspect was armed, no matter what the um, the origins of the confrontation were. He is always one of the first people to accuse the police officer of being racist and of targeting a black person because of the color of their skin. Uh, he has called for doxing of police officers or he reveals identities uh, of police officers that are not actually correct um, in the hopes that that person will be targeted. I I assume in the hopes that, that person will be harmed in some way, that their family will be put in danger. So he is not a good person from what I 
see anyway, uh, from the behavior that he demonstrates on social media. And in fact, there are people who identify as evangelical Christians who have associated themselves with him, which is unfortunate. There are a lot of people on the activist left that I might not agree with when it comes to their strategies or when it comes to their political beliefs, but I don't see them as grifters. I don't see them um, as terrible people who are just trying to dox anyone and everyone. I don't see them necessarily as someone who has a bad character or dishonesty. Unfortunately, from what we've seen from Sean King, he is someone who is extremely dishonest and who doesn't care who he puts in danger as long as he can perpetuate a particular narrative. He is going to give misinformation. He is going to leave out particular information as long as he can push this narrative that police officers and really white people in general um, are racist. Now, there are also a lot of people on the left who don't like Sean King because they also see him as a grifter. He has unfortunately been accused of a lot of shady business when it comes to um, when it comes to raising money uh, for supposed black uh, causes. So let me let me read you this article in um, it's actually in Fox News. I originally saw it in the New York Post, and it actually outlined some of the accusations that he's been facing. So the title of the article is Sean King lives lavishly in Lakefront, New Jersey home. Sean King has built his image on being a champion of the poor and disenfranchised, but the controversial civil rights activist likes uh, lives like a one percenter in a sprawling lakefront home records show. King 41 moved earlier this year from a luxury two-bedroom apartment in downtown Brooklyn. And that luxury two-bedroom apartment, that sounds like a paradox to those of us who live in the suburbs, um, but I'm sure in downtown Brooklyn, that actually is a luxury. Uh, To the five-bedroom, 3,000-square-foot North Brunswick, New Jersey property with a lakefront backyard and gourmet kitchen, according to public records, the property surrounded by lush tall trees was purchased by King's wife, uh, a PhD candidate and educator in November 2020 for $842,000 public records show. Then that New York Post article gives us a little bit um, more context about why people are saying this is hypocritical. I do not care if he lives in a $10 million home. I think more power to you. I mean, that's part of what makes America this great place, that you can be anyone from any background. And if you can get enough people to buy something from you, like you can create um, a, a wealthy life for yourself if you are successful in doing that. Unfortunately, that means that shady people can also be rewarded. And that seems to be what happens here. Um, This is from New York Post. King has been dogged for years by allegations of shady dealings and his charitable efforts and movements he has founded, including a lack of transparency and money he has raised for several criminal justice initiatives he has backed. Fellow activists and those who worked with him raising cash for everything from Haitian orphans to the families of black men killed by police have repeatedly raised questions about King's leadership and, in some cases, asked where the donations have gone. Samaria Rice, whose 12-year-old son, Tamir Rice, was shot dead by cops in Cleveland in November 2014. Truly, truly an awful case, by the way. That's my side note. Um, Blasted King on social media, accusing him of soliciting funds in her dead son's name without her permission and even about his identity as black or biracial. So that's a whole other thing with Sean King. Some people accuse Sean King of actually being white and trying to look black for purposes of activism and clout. 
I will not speculate on that. I'm just saying that those are some accusations that some people have, including some black activists on the left. Um, So Tamir Rice's mom said this on Instagram. Personally, I don't understand how you sleep at night. I never gave you permission to raise nothing along with the United States. You robbed me for the death of my son. You are a selfish, self-centered person and God will deal with you. King co-founded the Real Justice Political Action Committee in 2017 with former Black Lives Matter leader Patrice Cullors, who resigned from BLM a month after the Post revealed she had spent more than $3 million on real estate in the U.S. We'll get to that in just a second. The federal PAC helps to elect progressive district attorneys across the country to fight to end structural racism. Um, Unfortunately, we've seen the repercussions of that, and it ends up in a criminal being let loose into society and unfortunately raising the recidivism rate um, at the cost uh, at the cost of people's innocent lives, uh, taking in more than $3.2 million from 2019 to 2020. So this is a guy who has been accused, and I would just say accused, you're innocent until proven guilty, but he has been accused time and again of taking people's money, cashing in on the death of uh, black people, and then taking the money for himself and not actually contributing to any cause that has substantively helped the communities that he says he represents. He says he represents the downtrodden. He says he represents uh, the poor, the marginalized, the black community. Um, And yet it seems like he keeps on running into accusations of being sketchy and of grifting for self-gain. Now, of course, uh, to me, this makes him a hypocrite. Um, And not only because he says he's representing the downtrodden and he's just fighting for the little guy and really he's lining his own pockets is what it seems anyway. Um, But also because he talks about how America is this systemically racist place. Um, It's this institutionally racist place. It's a place where uh, people of color can't get ahead. He claims to be a a person of color himself. And yet he is living in a house that is much more lavish than most of us, most white people in the United States could ever even dream of living in. Almost a million dollar house that the vast majority of white people would never be able to afford or black people or people of any color would ever be able to afford. And we unfortunately see this continually from um, a lot of activists who claim that America is this oppressive place where black people really aren't free. Cori Bush, a representative, said that recently on the 4th of July. And yet they themselves disprove that, but they will still say, no, 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 no. You know, I'm the exception. I'm not the rule, but they have no problem. They have no problem lining their own pockets. Um, And if it were true that America was systemically racist, you wouldn't be able to, as a black person, make millions of dollars um, saying that America is systemically racist. That just doesn't make um, a whole lot of sense. And yet it's also, in another sense, not that hypocritical because this is what I mean, this is what communists do. And I I don't mean to say necessarily that he is, uh, you know, he is a person that really wants to seize the means of production. Um, But he 
is a communist in the sense that he sees the world as the oppressed versus the oppressors, the haves versus the have-nots. He somehow sees himself on the side of the oppressed and, and, and fighting for the oppressed, and he wants to reorder society, or he says that he does, to take down you know the powerful bourgeoisie. And people who claim to advocate for this kind of ideal very often um, are also the ones that are accumulating power and accumulating wealth, even as they say doing that as a person of color is basically impossible in the unjust society that we live in. Now, we mentioned Patrice Cullors, and I just want to talk about that because I don't think that we ever talked about it on our podcast. Patrice Cullors is a BLM co-founder. Like you will remember, the Black Lives Matter organizers have said explicitly that they are Marxist. So when I say that they are Marxist, I'm not just saying uh, that anyone who I disagree with is a Marxist or anyone who says Black Lives Matter is a Marxist because I don't believe that. But they actually said that they are trained Marxists and they have advocated for, supported, um, uh, they have they have stumped for communist leaders around the world for as long as they have been active in politics, including Maduro, including um, uh, including Cuban dictators. And so this is who they are. They are Marxists. They are communists. And they're not shy about that. Um, and they obviously traffic in the same lie that people of color cannot get ahead in this country, that people of color aren't really free, that we live in this oppressive, systemically racist society, white supremacist society, this uh, you know racist caste system where really only white people can get ahead. And America was founded on white supremacy and its systems are so infected with racism that people of color just can't succeed in life. And yet we read from the Daily Mail um, that uh, she has built a $35,000 fence, an electric gate around her new $1.4 million Topanga Canyon home that she bought with cash. And she also has some other properties apparently, um, apparently amounting to, you know, a $3 million property portfolio is what is being uh, reported here. And so um, it's not only this, it's not only that she says that she's a communist and that, you know, people of color can't get ahead in this country. And again, she is living more lavishly than the vast majority of people of any skin color will ever live in this country. Um, But if you look at the demographics of where uh, Sean King uh, now lives and where Patrice Kohler now lives, it's vast majority white. So Sean King has moved into an area that I believe is only 17% black. Patrice Kohler's now lives in an area in Los Angeles that I think is only like 2% black. So these are the same people who say that white people are on the side of the oppressor and that they just want to be one of the people, that they're a voice for the marginalized. They don't want to live among the marginalized. These are also the same people who talk about defunding the police, and yet they're living in a place that I guarantee you will never defund the police probably has a lot of funding to the police and um, can rely on the police to protect them. They don't want to live in the communities that they say that they support. Um, Speaking of defunding the police, here's another point of hypocrisy 
that I saw reported. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the New York Post, reported uh, that she has spent thousands on security, including $4,000 plus to ex-Blackwater contractor. Um, She spent apparently tens of thousands of dollars on private security in this year alone. And look, I don't blame AOC at all for having private security. Like She has um, a big platform and she is uh, often maligned by people on the right. And so I guarantee you that she's got a ton of creepers that are after her. Like there are probably a ton of people that want to harm her. So I don't blame her at all for having security. Look, girl, I think that that's a good idea for you to have armed security. But do I think it is also hypocritical for her to have armed security and also advocate for defunding the police again in communities that she would never deign to live in? Uh, and she would probably not even walk alone in at this point in her life. Yes, I do think it's hypocritical. She said this, she tweeted this um, uh, a few months ago, or I actually, I think that it was, yeah, it was last year. So over a year ago now in 2020, she said, defund, defunding the police means defunding the police. It does not mean budget tricks or funny math. It does not mean moving school police officers from the NYPD budget to the Department of Education's budget. So the exact same police remain in schools. Um, And then she said also on June 9th, 2020, defund means that black and brown communities are asking for the same budget priorities that white communities have already created for themselves, schooling more than police, etc. People asked in other ways, but we were always told, no, how do you pay for it? So they found the line item. And she has also talked about, um, as she's also talked about on Instagram, she said that defunding the police looks like living in a suburb. Affluent white communities already live in a world where they choose to fund youth, health, housing, etc. more than they fund police. Um, well, it's a little bit different. You don't have the same crime rates in a suburb, first of all. And I guarantee you, suburbs will be the last place to defund the police. You don't have the same problems in the suburb that you have in the inner city. That's just that's just a fact. Um, that's not a racial statement. That's just a fact. That is where we see the majority of the crime in the inner city. And unfortunately, the people who are victims of defunding the police, as we've seen in Minneapolis, as we've seen in cities across the country who decided to do that, as we've seen in New York, as we've seen in D.C., trying to deprioritize the police and um, to weaken the police so that they don't have um, as much power to be able, and in Chicago, uh, to be able to catch suspects and they don't have as Uh, much funding to be able to hire the police officers that they need, what we see is that crime has raised dramatically over the past year. And who are the victims of that? Disproportionately people of color, disproportionately women and children of color. So we've seen the murder rate, the violent crime rate in the communities that have sought to defund the police or weaken the police in some way. Um, And AOC doesn't care about that. She cares about her own safety. Of course, she's going to pay uh, thousands of taxpayer dollars to protect herself against those who want to do her harm. She doesn't lose uh, a second of sleep at night thinking about the women and children who are being victimized uh, in places where they no longer feel like they can call the police because they don't even know if the police is going or uh, if the police are going to show up because the police in some of these places have been told not to enter into some neighborhoods to try to avoid any kind of negative confrontation that could make headlines. Um, and a lot of forces don't even have the manpower anymore um, to be able to. Um, 
to be able to defend their communities and their cities uh, the way that uh, they're supposed to. And so you've actually seen a lot of cities change their mind on this and say, okay, actually, no, we need to increase the police budget. We actually do need more police officers. And so, again, it is hypocritical. It is hypocritical for AOC to advocate for defunding the police, something that will never affect her for the rest of her life because she's going to have a cushy life forever now, which, again, is fine. I don't care how much money she makes. I don't care that she has private security. But advocating for defunding the police is going to negatively affect people in poor communities, disproportionately people of color. And um, as a Marxist, again, she doesn't care about that so long as she is so insulated with privilege and power uh, that she doesn't really have to think about it. So that's another example of this hypocrisy. Now we're going to get into some COVID hypocrisy. But before we do, let me tell you guys about one of my sponsors for today, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. So they have the perfect subscription boxes for both boys and girls that will keep them creative, constructive, engaged at the kitchen table. It's really hot outside. Maybe your kids don't want to run around all afternoon, but you still want them to be occupied with some kind of productive activity. Annie's Kit Clubs is a really great option for you. First, they've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club, which is a monthly subscription that sends kids real hammer and nails, construction kits. They even have real tools, starting with a kid-sized hammer. Your kids can build complete kits with minimal supervision, all the instructions, all the tools they need. Uh, Also for a variety of projects, they've got Annie's Creative Girls Club, which can introduce your daughter to new crafts with every shipment. So each month she'll receive two fun kits complete with easy to follow instructions. You can kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. So your kids can master new hands-on skills while expressing their creativity, which is so important. Uh, Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 75% off your first shipment. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off your first shipment. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Okay, let's talk about some of this COVID hypocrisy. You guys know that a lot of places right now are um, they are re-mandating masks. And if you haven't listened to last, I think it's last Wednesday's episode, I believe, with Steve Dace, where we went through a ton of data on masks, on vaccines, on COVID, on the Delta variant. If you haven't listened to it yet, then we will put it in the description of this episode so you can go listen to it and how it really does not make sense to mandate masks right now with the numbers that we're seeing, especially in K through 12 schools. It just doesn't make any sense. And it makes even less sense when we see a lot of the hypocrisy from the leaders that are mandating these masks. Um, This again is the New York Post reporting that the D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser celebrates birthday maskless hours before the new mandate kicks in. And so we will put up a picture of this. There are photos of Bowser celebrating her birthday without wearing a face mask or anyone around her really wearing a, a face mask just a few hours before a new indoor mask mandate for the city kicked in. 
Of course, it looks like she did this on purpose. It looks like she purposely pushed off the mask mandate so she could have a birthday party with dozens of people all crowded together without masks. Um, but she is still going to mandate that for everyone else. It looks uh, like the scheduling here is uh, a little suspicious. Uh, she had also, just the night before, she had gone to a Dave Chappelle show. She is in a picture with him and a few other people. Again, we'll put that up. Um, um, where none of them are wearing masks. Again, this is right before uh, the new mask mandate went into place. So she had announced this mask mandate was going into place and she got in all of her maskless activities uh, before that happened. Uh, she had also, so this is according to the Washington Examiner, not 24 hours into the indoor mask mandate she imposed on D.C., Muriel Bowser officiated an indoor wedding with hundreds of fellow maskless guests. So you tell me, do you think Muriel Bowser and other leaders who are doing the same thing, do you think that they're afraid of the Delta variant? Now, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be concerned. I've talked to a lot of nurses. Some people are concerned. Some people think it's being sensationalized. And it is a little bit more contagious and maybe slightly more deadly than the original variant. Um, this variant, by the way, comes from India. Um, and we're hearing all kinds of contradictory messaging about whether or not the vaccine is really helping people uh, not get this particular variant and not spread the can and not spread the variant. And that is why now they're imposing these mask mandates, but they don't actually seem to be very afraid of it. And if you're saying, well, it's because Muriel Bowser and all the people there are vaccinated. Well, according to the CDC, according to multiple reports, According to the study out of Massachusetts, uh, apparently, like you are just as likely to get this Delta variant. Um, and again, there's contradictory messaging and contradictory data on this. But according to some reports, you are just as likely to get this variant and just as likely to have, uh, you know, a, a viral load that can pass on to someone else. And so um, this would be, according to that logic, very irresponsible. I wouldn't call it irresponsible. I would just call it hypocritical. We also saw a lot of hypocrisy from Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, which, of course, we have seen for the past year as she is imposing all kinds of restrictions, regulations, and mandates on Chicago. She is flouting them herself. She got her hair done without a mask on. She went to, you know, some kind of Biden celebration. I'm pretty sure she went to a Black Lives Matter rally a year ago. And yet she pretends like she really cares about the health and safety of Chicago. But this is really incredible. And so uh, she attended Lollapalooza Music Festival amid reinstating COVID restrictions. According to Fox News, despite announcing plans to resume more pandemic restrictions in the city, the Democrat mayor continued to host Lollapalooza, which is one of the largest music festivals in the country. If you're watching on YouTube, we will put um, a picture up. I mean, hundreds of hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people mashed together. I'm sure some of them are wearing masks. I'm sure a lot of them aren't. Um, I mean, you see these pictures. I mean, this looks like 2019. None of these people in these pictures are wearing masks. No one cares. No one is afraid of it. But um, this is a lot of money for the city of Chicago. And so uh, Mayor Lightfoot is... Um, is not going to, she's not going to stop that from happening because that's important for her. Um, and yet she is going to reinstate all of these regulations. It's 
politics. And so I hear a lot of people on the left saying, oh, the right is politicizing this. Really? Do you think it's the right politicizing this? Or do you think that the right is a little bit hesitant to accept the integrity of all of these mandates and restrictions when we see so much hypocrisy and we see that really leftist politicians are politicizing this kind of thing? I mean, uh, you know, you understand that there are people. Um, I saw, I heard a terrible story about this young woman who um, she overdosed, I guess that's the correct word, on, on alcohol um, to the point to where she died. And yet, after she died, she was in the hospital. Um, they tested her for coronavirus. She tested positive for coronavirus. And because she tested positive, her family was not, her parents were not allowed to come in and see their daughter who had just died because of that. That was a story from a nurse who follows me. I've heard several stories like that. And of course, there have been elderly people who have died in nursing homes and in hospitals whose families weren't allowed to come see them and be with them as they died. And so if this does not boil your blood, that while people are going through the worst tragedies of their lives like that because of the restrictions of some of these leaders, even while they're doing what is politically advantageous or personally advantageous to them, I don't know what will. Hypocrisy makes people really frustrated. It's not just the COVID restrictions that people are mad about. Uh, it is more than that. It is the hypocrisy of the leaders that are uh, implementing these kinds of restrictions. Not to mention, not to mention what's happening at the southern border, which I just want to touch on briefly. Well, first, let me mention also just. Uh, very briefly that Axios reported that Obama is planning a birthday bash amid COVID concerns. So like we're hearing everywhere in the leftist media that we really need to care about the Delta variant. We are hearing rumblings of lockdowns again in particular places. And yet he is apparently having about 700 people to his $12 million home in Martha's Vineyard. Again, another great example of just how oppressive the United States is. Um, and so Again, I think a lot of people see this as hypocrisy. Maybe he's not the one that's implementing the restrictions, but he is certainly going against the narrative that everyone needs to stay inside with a mask on. I can almost guarantee you the people at Martha's Vineyard at President Obama's birthday party will not all be wearing masks. And again, even if they're vaccinated, we're hearing that they still could pose a risk and a threat. That's why people are saying that vaccinated people still need to be masked up. So you see why people could be frustrated. And then we We've got what's happening at the southern border, which I will get into in just one second. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of my favorite sponsors, and that is Good Ranchers. You guys know my husband and I love our Good Ranchers. They've got... Um, they've got great quality beef and they've got better than organic chicken. And all you do is you go to goodranchers.com slash alley. You pick out the cuts of meat that you want, the pre-marinated pre or not pre-marinated chicken. It's all individually wrapped. They put it in a box. They ship it to your front door. It gets there super quickly, totally fresh. You can either put it in the freezer like we do or it's ready to grill right then. It makes your life so easy. It's also super affordable. What I like about it is that I know that all the meat comes from America farms 
It uh, It is supporting American farmers. The people at Good Ranchers have personally traveled the United States meeting with the farmers that they work with. And so they can guarantee that this is ethically raised, sustainably sourced meat, that this is high quality meat. And that's what I really like about it. I like knowing where my food is coming from. And since 80% of the craft beef that you are buying in a grocery store is actually imported from overseas, Good Ranchers is really unique in that regard. So I highly recommend going to goodranchers.com slash Allie. If you subscribe, you can look at the Family Feast bundle. You'll save $20 and you'll also get free express shipping by going to my link. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Sorry, save 20%, not $20, 20%. And you'll get free express shipping at my link. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Okay, because I want to get into the biblical portion of all of this, I'm just going to very briefly talk about um, what's happening at the border. And again, why people are so upset about some of these restrictions because of um, the duplicitousness, the duplicity, however you want to say it, of the leaders that are implementing them. So um, I'm going to show you a video of one thing that is happening um, at the southern border. There are hundreds and consequently thousands of people that are infiltrating the United States every day. And the sketchy thing about it is that there's hundreds of them showing up. And then the federal government is transporting them by bus and by plane to different cities in the United States. We have no idea why. We have no idea where they're going. We have no idea how long they're staying. We have no idea if they're being tested. We have no idea if they're being vaccinated. Actually, I've heard from a source familiar with the matter, uh, that they are not being tested, that they're not being vaccinated. I heard some bunk statistic the other day that 90% are vaccinated. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, I, I know that they're not being tested for the most part. They're not being vaccinated. We don't know in a lot of cases where they're coming. It's not just South America. It's not just Mexico. Um, it is also places like Haiti. It's also places like Africa. They're coming through the southern border, even as the northern border is basically closed. Um, So there's a lot of sketchy things that are going on. And if we were really worried about the spread of this, like if we were really worried about the rise in cases and we were really worried about the Delta variant, we would close the southern border in an instant. But it seems like the same people who are fear mongering about the virus aren't actually scared of it because they're not closing the southern border. I mean, we are talking now hundreds of thousands of illegal migrants that have been transported from the border into the interior of the United States. I mean, a lot of people slammed, you know, Donald Trump for saying America first and oh, Christian nationalist, blah, blah, blah. Tell me what do you think is better leadership, America first or America last? Like, who would you say is a better mayor? Like, is the is the mayor of Tulsa a good mayor of Tulsa if he actually cares about the city of Oklahoma City more, and if he prioritizes the needs of Oklahoma City more than he prioritizes the needs of Tulsa, no, you would say that that's a bad mayor. Wouldn't you say it's a good mayor to say, you know, this is the best city in the world. I love Tulsa, and my focus is on making Tulsa the best place it can be and prioritizing the needs of my constituents in Tulsa. Like, you would say that that's a really good mayor. So why is it different on a presidential level? Like, why do some people who identify as progressives or progressive 
Christians uh, say that it is some evil, fascistic, uh, you know, Christian nationalist bad thing to say that we're going to put America first. No, that's what you do. You put the needs and the priorities of your family first. That's what nations are. They are akin to families. And a good leader prioritizes the needs and the safety and the resources and the industries um, of its own people before the needs of uh, people from other countries. That doesn't mean that you hate people from other countries. It doesn't mean that you're mean to migrants. Um, it doesn't mean that you're a bigot. It just means that you're a good, responsible leader. Joe Biden is not a good, responsible leader because his federal government um, is actually putting the needs of Americans last. And that is hateful. That makes you a, a wicked, wicked ruler. Um, and again, this is hypocrisy that's going to make people mad. This is exactly why we are seeing protests from um, around the world. And so, again, we're going to show you some pictures um, and, and maybe I'll throw even to a video of uh, some of some protests in France. But we're seeing anti-lockdown protests in Canada, in France, in England, in Germany, in Australia, obviously in the United States. It's not that anyone wants anyone to die from COVID. No one wants that. And none of these people rallying, I guarantee you, think that COVID is fake. I guarantee you that they've all been affected by it in some way. Maybe they've had They've had it themselves. They've had a friend who has had it. Maybe they even have a family member who's died from it. I am close to people who have had family members die from it. I certainly don't think it's fake. I think it can be dangerous for a lot of people. I also think that there are nefarious motivations behind these lockdowns. I also think that there are a lot of other dangers, a lot of other threats to people's lives on a daily basis. The fact that there were far more people, far more kids who died by suicide in the past year and a half, I guarantee you exacerbated by these lockdowns than died by, sui and then died by the coronavirus means that I have to expand my compassion beyond uh, people who are just harmed from coronavirus. There are a lot of dangers, a lot of threats, a lot of of causes of death that we are not even recognizing or talking about today because compassion has become so narrow that the only thing that the media wants to report on it is deaths by COVID. There are a lot of things that people die from, unfortunately, sadly, tragically on a daily basis. And this is not worth ruining people's lives and ruining people's livelihoods, taking away their will to live and everything that makes life worth living for a virus that for most people... They have a 99.8 or higher even uh, likelihood of surviving. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's exactly why you are seeing people protest around the world. Let me play you a brief uh, clip from a protest in France. So, yeah, people are going to be super frustrated. People are going to be really, really frustrated uh, by all of this. And again, it's not just the restrictions and the regulations. It's the hypocrisy of it. Um, people just don't do well with hypocrisy. They do not do well with their livelihoods being taken away from them. They don't do well with seeing their teenager become a shell of who they were uh, because they have been forced into virtual learning for the past year and a half for a virus that is no more deadly to that age group, to ages zero to 17, than the flu. Um, there are a lot of nurses, a lot of parents that I've talked to 
that tell me, um, and I know this firsthand, uh, that RSV, that croup, that hand, foot, and mouth are really, really bad this year. Even the flu right now, which is rare for the summer, it's really bad among kids. Like a lot of you have personally reached out to me and said that your kid was in the hospital with RSV just a couple weeks ago. Both my kids had RSV just a couple weeks ago. It transferred, you know, to to my husband and me as well. Um, and so there are a lot of sick kids right now because unfortunately their immune systems are are shot from being locked inside for the past year and a half. I personally think that there is a negative bacterial um, uh, bacterial effect on kids when they are wearing masks all day. And so unfortunately, we have harmed kids and the strains of viruses that are going around right now that are not at all COVID are seriously and intensely impacting kids. But no one cares about that. Like no one wants to report that. Apparently, it only matters when someone is negatively impacted by one virus and not other viruses. Um, it's really sad. It's really sad. And the media hysteria uh, hysteria about this has killed people. I mean, there are also reports of nurses who don't want to treat people who are COVID positive, especially people who are unvaccinated with COVID because they're afraid of getting it or they just have some, you know, political leaning about it. I don't think that that accounts for most um, for for most uh, nurses at all. I've only had very wonderful experiences uh, with nurses in my life, um, but certainly that is happening. I saw one thread on social media from a nurse on Twitter that talked about a man who tested positive, an old man who tested positive, and he was placed in a holding pattern in the hospital because no one wanted to treat him because he was COVID positive and they didn't want to do this invasive procedure that he needed because he was COVID positive, and he ended up dying while he was waiting. He needed this procedure. They didn't want to do the procedure because he was COVID positive. And so because, and that's unscientific, so because the media has caused hysteria about this, people are actually dying from it, okay? So this is life and death. This hypocrisy actually matters. And now I know the hypocrites that I just listed were all, uh, they were all Democrats. That wasn't my goal. This is just what's in the news and it is Democrats who are um, who are implementing these kinds of restrictions and then flouting the restrictions. They tend not to be Republicans. Republicans have their own problems with hypocrisy too. And I have no problem calling that out. There are plenty of people who identify as conservatives and Republicans who are hypocrites. Hypocrisy is wrong, no matter whether you have an R or a D by your name. But the stories that are in the news right now, they do happen to be, uh, they happen to be centered on Democrats who are acting like hypocrites. And that makes people very frustrated. All right. Last segment of this podcast episode, but I've got to tell you about the last sponsor of the day, and that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. So they are an LA-based capsule clothing company. I love Carly Jean. I've got a lot of their clothes. I was actually wearing their jeans yesterday. They're super comfortable. You guys know it's hard to find clothes that you like, clothes that you're comfortable in, clothes that you feel like are flattering, especially when it comes to jeans. Um, And they have all of those things. I really, really like Carly Jean Los Angeles a lot. Their mission is to simplify closets and help women feel beautiful in their own skin, all while making getting dressed every day easy. Their clothing is classic, timeless, is meant to live life with you while transitioning into every stage and season of life. I can personally attest to that because I wore their clothes while I was pregnant and I'm still wearing their clothes. That's the that's the kind of clothing that they have. Just really classic, really simple, can be paired with a, a bunch of different kinds of things and really can um, 
uh, work in so many different seasons. Uh, shopping doesn't have to be a hassle. Those hours that would have been spent in the mall can now be spent with family and on things that matter by simplifying your wardrobe with Carly Jean Los Angeles. Uh, they're more than just clothes. They want to make a difference in your life by helping you feel amazing. Uh, you can check out Carly Jean Los Angeles on their Instagram page. They handle direct messages all day. You can also go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code Ally. You'll save 20% off anything in their online store. That's promo code Ally for 20 thing, uh, 20% off anything in their online store. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Promo code Ally. Okay, so let's talk about this word hypocrisy, which again, does not just describe Democrats. That's not the point of this. The point is um, to explain how frustrating hypocrisy is and how it really can drive people to the brink, um, especially when it comes to our leadership. But as Christians, we are also called to reject hypocrisy. Um, Just for fun, I wanted to look up the etymology of the word hypocrite. There are words like this that we use all the time. We know what they mean generally, but We don't really stop to ask where they come from. And I like looking at the origin of words. I think it can really help us better understand them. Um, Hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypocrisis, which means to play on stage or to pretend. Hypo or hypo means under. So for example, if you have hypothyroidism, you have an underactive thyroid. The opposite is hyper, which means over or in excess. Now the crisis and hypocrisis or hypocrisis uh, probably comes from the Greek crinian, which means to separate, to judge, to decide, to distinguish, to discern. So it would seem, getting to the most literal meaning of this word, that to be a hypocrite means to fail to distinguish or to under-distinguish between reality and pretend, or uh, to pretend that something is reality when it's not, to act, to play a role, and then, you know, metaphorically to be something else entirely backstage. Um, It's used in language to describe people who pretend to have a particular virtue, to pretend to have a certain value or who preach that virtue and that value and promote it to others. We've just given you many examples of that, but don't represent it and live it out themselves. Uh, What we see in scripture, throughout scripture, from really Genesis to Revelation, that God hates hypocrisy. He hates the pretense of righteousness coupled with a rebellious heart. He hates outward obedience accompanied with a self-serving spirit. So in the Old Testament, we see that David says to God in Psalm 51, 16 through 17, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 29, 13 through 14, um, talks about uh, the fact that the people are honoring God with their mouths. They draw near to God um, and they uh, honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from them. And so they actually fear man and what man thinks more than God. And so this is the Lord basically talking about frustrating and confounding the wisest of Israel to show that he alone is the source of wisdom and power to invoke sincere fear and worship of him because at this time they were fearing man more than they feared God and they were hypocrites. God cares very much about 
sincerity. Again, he hates pretense. He hates deceit. He cannot be deceived. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 talks about the, the six things that the Lord hates, the seven things that are an abomination to him. And one of them is a lying tongue. So this is bad news. This is bad news for a lot of politicians in both parties. It's also comforting, I think, that the Lord hates what so many people in power are doing and plotting and scheming that manifests itself in the oppression of civilians. And one day, because he hates all forms of sin, he will pour out wrath and exact perfect justice. One of the ways um, that David actually defends his own righteousness uh, in the Psalms, in Psalm 26, 4, is to say that he doesn't even associate himself with hypocrites. Uh, Jesus calls out hypocrisy quite a bit in the New Testament. You could even say that this was one of the central themes of Jesus's ministry, to call out outward righteousness um, in order to gain attention and power that was then undermined by inward selfishness. We see this in uh, Matthew chapter 6 when he says, uh, when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, don't do any of these things to get the approval of other people. Don't be loud about it. Don't be showy about it. The people who are doing these things, outward forms of righteousness in order to get the applause and approval of other people, he says, have already received their reward. So he's saying people who do good things for a reward here on earth in the form of accolades, that's all you're going to get. You get no reward in heaven for that. You want a fleeting applause for your good deeds? You got it. But that's all you're going to get. And then in Matthew 15, 1 through 9, um, he talks about a conversation that he has, or Jesus is um, having a conversation with the Pharisees, and he accuses them of trying to get around particular commandments uh, to... Uh, to gain in a selfish way. He talks about trying to get around the commandment to honor your father and mother by avoiding the responsibility of taking care of their parents uh, financially with this kind of godly sounding excuse. And what he's saying is that he they are making void the word of God, that they have not understood the real intention of the law, uh, because God's law has always been about obedience from a heart that is dedicated to him. And a heart that loves and is dedicated to God never asks, what can I get away with? How can I skirt this law on a technicality? How can I look righteous to other people and avoid sacrifice? But rather, how can I best glorify God? How can I most authentically and fully obey him? So he's saying to the Pharisees in this chapter, you don't love God. You love yourself. You don't worship him. You worship yourself. You don't seek to give God glory. You seek to glorify yourself. Okay, then your reward is all the attention that you're getting here on earth, all the power that you've accumulated by your, uh, by your hypocrisy, and you got another thing coming for you in eternity. And let me just make another point on this um, in his conversation with Pharisees. You often hear people who identify as progressive Christians talking about how Jesus denounced the Pharisees um, as a way to make the point that Jesus didn't like religious people. And they call anyone a Pharisee who expresses any care at all about Christian morality, sexuality, etc. They point to Matthew 7, 1 that says, judge not lest you be judged. They point to Romans 2, 1 that says not to judge. And they use these verses to say that you're not allowed to criticize any action, any kind of lifestyle, any belief system, because if you do, you're just a judgmental Pharisee and Jesus hated the judgmental Pharisee. But here are a few problems with that. And this is where we're going to close out. What people who use this line really mean when they say that? 
is that conservative Christians aren't allowed to say what's right and wrong behavior according to the Bible because that is pharisaical. But they have no problem using the Bible to support what they say is right and wrong and calling anyone who doesn't align with their definitions of morality and love usually conservative Christians, not real Jesus followers. So in using Matthew 7, 1 to call anyone who cares about, for example, the Christian sexual ethic of Pharisee, they themselves are being judgmental and violating Matthew 7, 1. Both Matthew 7, 1 and Romans 2, 1 are not talking about discerning between right from wrong and righteousness from sin. Both are talking about hypocrisy. Matthew 7 goes on to say that before you call out sin in another person, you got to remove the sin from your own life. You got to take the log out of your own eye. Romans 2 goes on to say that you are wrong to judge others for doing the very same things that you are guilty of. Jesus, hear me, this is so important. Jesus did not condemn the Pharisees for being too religious or too righteous or too holy or even too judgmental. Jesus condemned them for being hypocrites. It's not that they were too obedient to God. It's not that they, um, it's, it's not that they were too righteous. It's that they had outward obedience that was accompanied by a selfish, unregenerate heart that did not love God. So their spirit was one of, what can I get away with to try to skirt full obedience to God's law when it's inconvenient, rather than I love God and want to obey him as much as possible. Back what we read um, from David in the Psalms, it's not sacrifice that the Lord really requires. It's a contrite heart before him. And that's something that can happen on, on the right or the left, that kind of hypocrisy, the right or the left at the theological spectrum or political spectrum. But people who call themselves progressive Christians should realize how susceptible they are to this line of thinking. Because I am constantly hearing from that segment of the world all the ways that we can get around what the Bible teaches about, say, modesty or gender or sex or porn or marriage or any area of Christian morality. Uh, and I'm always hearing, you know, the argument from absence with some people who identify as progressive Christians that Jesus never talked about abortion. Jesus never talked about homosexuality. And not only is that incorrect, because he does talk about these things, you know, honoring the honoring children, for example, and honoring sexual morality. Um, but uh, it's also a fallacy. It's a misunderstanding of the Trinity since Jesus is God and everything that God says, Jesus also says. But it's also emulating the spirit. It's demonstrating the spirit of what can I get away with? How can I find a way to do what I want to do? And that is not representative of a heart that loves and is submitted to God. Um, we hear from them that God really only cares about social justice. He doesn't care about our sin. The reality is, and I promise I'm about to, I know I keep going, but I promise I'm about to end this. The reality is if Jesus were alive today, these same people would call him a bigot and a Pharisee. Because for all their talk of Jesus's condemnation of religious people and his association with the lowly and the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, which also important for this crowd to note, the tax collectors were seen as the scum of society because overtaxation was considered a form of oppression. Uh, the adulterers, they seem to ignore uh, that Jesus called all of these people to repentance. He forgave their sins and urged them to sin no more. 
Not to mention he reiterates the biblical definition of marriage and gender in Matthew 19, so he would have been seen as hugely problematic to many people who profess to be progressive Christians today. Jesus cared about sin. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He didn't come to say sinning doesn't matter. He came to take the definition of sin to the next level by saying it's not just about what you do, it's about why you do what you do. Jesus cared about what we do on the outside, but he wanted it to be done from a place of sincerity and love, not hypocrisy. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 23, 2, 1 through 3 says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So this is true for all of us. Like this is something that I take to heart. We all have the tendency to be hypocrites. We all struggle with hypocrisy. It's even more frustrating when we see it from our leadership class, but it's something that we all have to look inward and examine in our own selves. We all have the propensity towards self-righteousness and judging other people of the same things that we are guilty of. And so thank the Lord that we can be sanctified uh, by the Holy Spirit, that we can be justified by grace through faith that he calls us to radical transparency, radical honesty. I pray that he would continue to sanctify me in that way. That's my prayer for all of us. It's especially my prayer for people in power because it causes a lot of unrest that is going to end, I think, in a very ugly way. So let's continue to pray for honesty and true virtue, not just among ourselves, but also from the people who lead us. All right, we'll be back here tomorrow with more. 